Hey, it's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. There's all this discussion about China. Oftentimes, the big question in any discussion is, well, what can be done about it? After all, the Chinese Communist Party does not follow the usual norm or even where the norms are followed of other world bodies. They stand out, they object, and in a recent move, China even passed a law to counter foreign sanctions. That is China's way of saying to the world, while the party has full control and can choose what to do or not do on a daily or momentary basis, but it says to the world that foreign sanctions do not apply. Whether it's COVID-19, the theft of intellectual property, the issues around sovereign immunity that are being discussed now in many ways, how will we deal with China? Gordon Chang and I have had this conversation for many years with this audience, with other audiences, and it's time to re-engage. And his latest article for the Gatestone Institute on making China pay for the coronavirus pandemic. You can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Gordon G. Chang. He joins me now. Gordon, my friend, great to have you back. Oh, well, thank you so much, David. I put a lot in there, Gordon, but you and I have a lot to unpack on this. Uh, let's start you know, from your article. How do we make China pay for the coronavirus pandemic? And given just the elements I mentioned of them passing a law to counter foreign sanctions, a signal to the world, in fact, you and I know that the Chinese Communist Party and President for Life Xi Jinping can wake up today and go, do this. Yes. Well, the, the sanctions law, we don't know what the text is, and it was rushed through the National People's Congress, which means that obviously it's a high priority for Xi Jinping. Um, we know that sanctions are starting to affect China, um, and it's not so much that they have an effect in China, but what they're doing is they're forcing the Chinese regime to do things which are creating problems for Beijing elsewhere. Just to give you a good example, the um, a comprehensive agreement on investment. Beijing and the European Union announced it in December of last year, considered to be a slap to then incoming President Biden. Well, um, the Chinese put sanctions on European Union uh, parliamentarians and officials. And what China ha and what the EU has now done is it's frozen implementation of that deal, which is more beneficial to Beijing than it is to Europe. So you know, China just is lashing out and it's creating problems for itself. So I'm saying bring it on. The more Beijing lashes out, the better it is for us. Do you think there's a, and I find coincidence is not so coincidental, that China would do this essentially on the eve of the G7? You know, that is a great point because they're worried about two things. They're worried about Europe defecting from China. Europe was more loyal to Beijing than it was to Washington up until um, a couple months ago. And I think that Beijing is really worried that uh, the U.S. and Europe will get together again. And they're also worried about something that President Trump started and which Biden might continue, though we don't know, and that is wooing Moscow away from Beijing. Now, I don't think that second thing will happen for a number of reasons, 
But nonetheless, Beijing is worried about being isolated because it realizes when it comes to a China-U.S. confrontation, China needs all the friends it can get. You know, let's do a, a momentary segue to the financial, and then I want to get into uh, the coronavirus pandemic. The economic tie, it's often talked about in American media that, you know, U.S. has, which we do, this enormous debt to China. But China, it's bi-directional. China has a huge dependence not only on buying our debt, but on the American economy, Gordon. Does that play into this? And if so, to what extent? It, it certainly does. And it's very perceptive for you to ask that, because, first of all, China needs to buy American debt. It is earning uh, right now unprecedented export surpluses. It's got to recycle that money into the global financial system. The only place that they really can do is buy U.S. treasuries. So they need our currency. Um, but also right now, China um, is, because its economy is driven not by consumption, uh, it's driven by export sales, it really is dependent on the U.S. market. Last year, um, when you look at China's merchandise trade surplus with the U.S., that constituted over 60% of its overall merchandise surplus, which means that China is extraordinarily dependent on the U.S. market, which gives the U.S. extraordinary leverage over China. President Trump understood that. I don't think Biden really does. But we have that power if we want to use it. All right, now let's go to your recent article in the Gatestone Institute. You know, point one that you made, something that I have made on this show, that even if the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, didn't start out as a biological weapon, China weaponized it against the world. I'll give you an example, the European, not the European Union, but when it comes to Italy, China kept the flights open. China has huge influence over Italy because Italy uh, was the seventh nation to join their Belt and Road Initiative. They weaponized it with information warfare. They weaponized it by not providing the genome when requested by the Trump administration when we first found out about it. And they lied about its origins. We're seeing those evolve and, and come become more public now. So how do we take on China with relationship with, with, you know, related to COVID-19? We have to take on China uh, by cutting relations with Beijing. And I know that sounds drastic to a lot of people, but if you maintain relations with China, you are telling Chinese leader Xi Jinping that he can spread the next disease with impunity. As you point out, um, uh, the Chinese weaponized COVID-19. They did two things. They lied about contagiousness. They knew it was highly contagious. They told the world it was not. And as you point out, um, they forced countries to take arrivals from China while they were locking down their own country, which means they thought that they were spreading the disease. This is malicious. Now, if Xi Jinping thinks he can spread the next disease and get away with it, this could be the end of non-Chinese civilization because the Chinese are working on pathogens that will leave the Chinese immune and sicken and kill everybody else, which means that's a civilization killer. That could leave China as the world's only viable society. That means China could rule the world. So we've got every incentive to make sure Beijing doesn't think it can do that again. Biden doesn't want to punish the Chinese. Trump talked about $10 trillion in reparations. Peter Navarro talks about $20 trillion. 
Whatever the number is, David, it's got to be really, really high. And we need political will. Biden does not seem interested in defending us on COVID-19. You know, let's talk for a moment, uh, and we'll continue down this path, about the Taiwanese email uh, to the WHO. That exposed a lot of this. This was in April of last year. Nations, even this administration and others, know this exists. So why do you think there hasn't been forward movement, not only by the U.S., but by our partners against China? I think uh, in the case of Biden, um, he wants China's help on climate change, which he says is the greatest national security threat, um, which is wrong. He said that yesterday, by the way, on a day where um, 598,760 Americans uh, had been killed. Um, And also he wants China's help on a deal with Iran, um, the the nuclear deal. Um, So he's not willing to take on China. And we saw that because he had a two-hour phone call with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in February. And by Biden's own admission, he did not raise the issue of the disease, which is a fundamental failure to discharge his primary responsibility, which is to protect Americans from foreign attack. So I can understand why Biden doesn't want to take on the Chinese, but he shouldn't be sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania. You know, go take a vacation, do whatever he wants, go back to being a senator. But if you don't want to defend the U.S., then you shouldn't be president of the U.S. Very good point. Unfortunately, there he is, which brings us to, you know, I don't know if we should expect much when it comes to this. But the next issue is one of sovereign immunity. Americans have been harmed worldwide. People have been harmed by this. Uh, Is there a path to overcome sovereign immunity? There are two paths. First of all, um, there is a num- there have been a number of bills in Congress to um, strip China of sovereign immunity. The most recent one is uh, filed by two uh, representatives, one Republican, one Democrat from uh, Pennsylvania. But also got to remember that the party in China that holds the assets is not the Chinese central government, which has sovereign immunity, but it is the Communist Party itself. Communist Party is not a sovereign. It holds the assets. Matter of fact, the Chinese military is not a state military. It's a party military, which means theoretically that if we could find a Chinese destroyer someplace, we could seize it in payment of uh, its responsibilities. So we can do this. It takes political will. We have stripped uh, sovereign immunity from um, countries in effect. Uh, There was the Sudan um, settlement for, for acts of terrorism. There was, of course, the settlement with Libya over the taking down of Pan Am 103 over Lockerbie. So we can do this. It's just a question of do we have political will? And I think Americans have political will. It's just not their leader who really wants to do anything about this. Yeah, and we have the ability, and as we've discussed earlier in this segment, uh, the Chinese need for American currency to buy our debt provides us political leverage, uh, actually provides us economic leverage uh quite well what about other foreign partnerships i'm thinking about the g7 those countries every one of those countries paid a price during this pandemic the topic is being discussed again you know are we just reaching a failure point with the biden administration yeah this upcoming g7 meeting the nato ministerial and the meeting with putin are absolutely crucial Um, 
I think what's going to happen, David, I don't know, but I think Biden is going to be forced into confronting the Chinese because we know the American people are really, really upset about this. And if it comes out um, 100 percent that this was a lab leak, which I think that it will um, because of a number of reasons, then I think Europe will be forced to take action. Europe is, is at a point where it wants to deal with China. It has been very pro-China, been very anti-U.S., but uh, even the European populations, I think, are starting to see the reality of this. And, you know, what we have in, around the world are elites that want to get along with China, but the populations in Western democracies and in other democracies, they just don't want to um, because they realize that China is that malicious, that dangerous, and indeed is an enemy. So we're just going to have to push Biden around. And we can do it, David. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to exert some political will of our own. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm skeptical, Gordon. We've known each other a long time. You were actually, I think, the first person to really bring China into full focus with me many years ago. But I'm concerned about no matter how much the push, we have a, a president who spent four decades plus with questionable ties, I'll say that, to China in many ways. And, you know, being compromised there personally for the Biden and the Biden family, facts that we now know, it brings me to the point of, you know, will he ever, no matter how much we push, take action against China? Let me give you a little bit of hope. May 26, in the morning, CNN reported that the State Department spiked an investigation into COVID-19. Immediately, there was outrage, not only among the elites, but among American people. In the afternoon, Biden then issued that order to the intelligence community to come back in 90 days on COVID-19. I think Biden was pushed to do that. He did not want to do that. That was the last thing that he wanted to do. And when I think he woke up on the morning of Wednesday, May 26, he had no inkling he was going to do that. So he can be forced, David, because your voice and others can push Biden to do things he doesn't want to do. My thought on this is it has to uh, be taken away or at least added to this, quote, uh, WHO investigation. Realizing that the history of Tedros at the head of the WHO, the Taiwanese email as an example of what I, that I mentioned earlier, uh, which shows this collusion between the Chinese Communist Party and the WHO, Tedros himself, in many ways, a puppet of China since his days in Africa to where he is now, uh, we need to have an American-based investigation. And unfortunately, that is not the case. I agree with you 100%. Tedros is China's puppet. He was the one who took a narrative that senior doctors at the WHO knew was false. This is China's narrative that the COVID-19 was not transmissible human to human. And Tedros was the one who made sure that the world heard about this. He issued a January 9, 2020 statement and then the infamous January 14th tweet. Tedros did all possible to uh, force countries to take arrivals from China taking China's narrative. And also, Tedros was the one who delayed the declaration of a public health emergency of international concern, plus the declaration of a pandemic. He delayed them because Xi Jinping 
wanted him to delay it. He is a puppet. He's the, the Chinese have embarrassed Tedros. Tedros right now has started to come out with statements that uh, Beijing doesn't like, not because Tedros wants to do that, but because Tedros is being forced to do that because China is going too far. So there are things that we can do, um, and especially I think we have to wait to 2022 and 2024. But in the interim, we can actually change the views of Biden and Tedros and others with political pressure. We'll see what happens. I think we should follow up after the G7. We'll do a little bit of digging together, Gordon, and uh, see what comes out on these issues. They all tie together, uh, not just the the pandemic, the, the political and economic power being wielded by China. And something that is not being discussed enough, my friend, is the pushback from nations, large and small, even in the Caribbean, on China, because I think more people are waking up to the the not only the reality of China, but the failures of China based on what they try to do to exert power in other nations. Absolutely. I mean, you're right about that. And remember, the Caribbean's important because the Chinese are building a container port at Freeport in the Bahamas, which is too big. It's going to go into debt. The Chinese will take it over. They'll use it as a naval base. And Freeport is about 87 miles east of Palm Beach. We do not want a Chinese naval base 87 miles off of Palm Beach. That's a, that right there puts a fine point on this. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. And I know uh, we'll dig more into this together in the coming weeks. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Gordon G. Chang, or on his website, gordonchang.com. You can join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.